Hello and welcome to a slightly delayed After the Bell. I won't tell you who's to blame, but it was definitely not me. This is, well it is After the Bell, it's Mirror Fighting's Boxing Show with me, Martin Dommel, with Declan Taylor and with Barry Jones. We are of course coming to you a couple of days after the third and final instalment of Fight Camp. Joshua Buatzi coming through. Well, it was his toughest test to date against Ricard Spolotniks, stopping the Latvian in the 11th round. Gents, I think we've said it on here many times. I think everybody who's ever watched boxing has said it many times. Joshua Boatsy needed a test. It's been a while since we could say it was going to be a test. We said it would be a test, and it was a test. Yeah, and I, and, the, and the right test. You know, we needed a step up, you, you felt, and... and... I thought Bolotnik's... See, I think nowadays people go from British level to world level. And you miss that. I called it the other day, a bridging fight. And, and it's to bridge that gap from domestic to world level. And that used to be the European title. Now that route's gone. But you need that European title level fight. And that's what we had on Saturday. And I think that's... And it's, and it's perfect preparation. Because you know, back in... Before my time, even, you win the European title. You were you know, top two, three in line for the world title shot. And prepared. And I think that's where Boazzi is now. He's he's prepared now because he had to dig deep. He had to adjust. He had to think on his feet. But he was impressive, I thought. I thought he was really good. I think when you look at someone like Bolotniks, when if you if you were watching Bolotniks on telly and thinking, I might fight him, you go, oh, he's so simple. I'll walk right through him. But I think actually when you come to fight him, he's far more difficult because he's he's innate toughness and and you know, and he, he always fires back under pressure. So he can make it difficult for you. But Boatsy kept his shape, and that's I think that's the important part for Boatsy. He kept his shape at all times, and yeah, and and systematically broke him down. I thought it was a, a good performance, and now he's almost ready. I feel. Fifteen fights, fifteen victories, Declan. He did have Blotnick's down in the sixth round. Perhaps went. I mean, he did, we've seen it before. He, once he knows he has his opponent hurt. As most boxers do, to be fair, but Boatsy really does go for it. Perhaps went for it a little too much, and then had to wait uh, until later in the fight to actually finish the job. But I assume you were suitably impressed. Yeah, I was impressed. I think he's had a bit of a strange, well, what a couple of years, two and a half years, or whatever. Ever since he boxed on the Joshua Ruiz undercard, actually, he had the big break after that. He had a new trainer. Um, he had the challenge fight, which actually turned out when you look at it was just about the right fight at that point because he got caught a few times. It didn't have it all his own way, which is what he needed at that point. Then the Dos Santos fight was a bit, you know, the opponent was nowhere near his level, but it was his first one with Virgil Hunter. So then this was the perfect one. Um, I did the preview for the Boxing News and said that it was going to be by far his biggest test and that Bolotniks is not, although he seems quite straight up and down and pretty... Um, I don't know, he's there, he's not He's not hard to find. He's clearly really tough. You only have to look what he did in the golden contract, stopping Ward, beat Burton, really bullied Burton across that the whole of that fight. So it was the, it was a great opponent and it was a good, um, it was a great fight for that, for that level, for that fight camp headline. It was absolutely bang on for him because he's often been, I don't know, he hasn't been able to just sort of work away in the shadows at any point. And now he's at the now he's at that level that he needs to be headlining. I mean, what did, what was that, 15 and 0 or whatever? He can't, they can't really do anything but give him big fights now because that's how he's been built. And I thought it was a good performance. Um, maybe slightly concerning the amount of times he did get hit clean. 
Um, but then on the other hand, you've got to think, well, then look at how good his chin is because he got hit clean by a decent, strong puncher and he was fine. Um, you're right, he did empty the tank a bit. He's a good finisher, but he couldn't get rid of Bolotniks um, and whoever it was, uh, Andy Lee on Cocom saying that it's so, so hard at that point where you've hit him with your big, your best shot, proper right hand, left hook, pinged him, put him straight over and he's back up and like walking you down within 20 seconds. It's, that is a good test to see how he overcame that. So now it's interesting to see what they do with him because that's the bridging fight, as Barry said. The bridge has been crossed, but there's still some little cracks there. Not little cracks, there's some concerns and some some problems and things, areas to address. So then it's like, okay, well, where do they go with him now? Because he seems a bit off the world champions. It's not like a division like Cruiserweight where Akoli was ready. He's not ready for me, for Baturbiev or for Bivol. I don't think so. I think, but the, the beauty of it in, at light heavyweight is that even within Britain, there's four or five guys that would be perfect as his next opponent. But then you could also look further field and Kovalev, I saw, was floating around, got a fight left on his zone deal. So like, there's some amazing fights before even having to go to the world champion. So that's going to play into his, his hands, I think, and really interested to see what his next fight. But overall... I think you've got to give him eight, nine out of 10 because that's a solid opponent and he's dealt with them and he's closed the show before the end of the fight. Like he's done everything asked of him. I, I think what, what you said about he's, he's not quite ready for the world champions and I, I sort of agree. But I also think, I, I think he's at that stage of his career now and, and how long he's been a pro that you just, you know, if he gets off a bivvel, he has to take it, especially yeah, looking at Bivol's that there's a Bivol's better than maybe what he last shown, but Craig Richards you no know, really, really turned up. But he'd have to take it. And I think, you know, it's it's one of those things that unfortunately we have a load of top class light heavyweights in the UK who are never gonna fight each other. And then and that's obviously boxing politics and that's gone on since since the sports began. But it's a shame because they are with each other, they could test each other and get each you no know, one or two would emerge out of that group as fully prepared for the best to fight the best in the world. Whether they could beat them, who knows? But be prepared for that test. And but I think they will constantly be avoided. But I think Kovalev's a really good choice because he can still be dangerous and he's good. But he's not the Kovalev of old, of course. And but I I think if he gets the opportunity to fight someone like Bivol, he has to take it. I, I you can't keep holding back the reins forever. And you know. He's been pro long enough now. I know he's had delays in his career, but you know, I think the time now is to put your foot on a pedal. And I think also, I think Eddie Hearn might be under a bit of pressure, maybe not forcefully, but feel it that he has to start putting these the Olympians from the past cycle that he has into tests. In you no know, the guys he's had for four or five years maturing, Connor Ben, you know, an Olympian, him included. You no, know, you've got to start pushing them to the forefront more now, and you've got to take those opportunities. The fighters will want it, and you want to get the timing perfect, but. No, I think you hang them on too long and they either get up the boil a little bit or they, or they miss the opportunity. And I think now for, for, for Boazzi, I think I, I would, if, he, if the opportunity arises, I'd chuck him in. And you no, know, it's a world title fight. You, you, you can't, at his age and at his stage of his career, and after that fight, he has to take it. I, I do wonder if you're right about Eddie Hearn, whether it's... Uh, sorry, real... you wondered if I'm right? That's what I, 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 I that right, you hear that? I think he was questioning whether you I think he said you you're an idiot there. <laughs> <laughs> I have absolutely no doubt, Barry, that you are indeed correct. 
But whether it's actual pressure on Eddie Hearn or just pressure that he's put on himself, but surely, and and you can kind of see it in the October show in Liverpool and the the Leeds show in September, they are definitely a considerable step up on on these three we've seen. So when you, when you have Bivol on zone, you have Boazzi, and you look at the WBA rankings, which is often a, a bad idea, but they have an interim champion in none other than Robin Krasniki, who you may remember from moons ago. Yeah, uh, against Nathan Cleverley, <laughs> I can't believe he's still still around. But presumably he's going to want his shot. But I bet you that's him, the Baratsi there's... fight. I bet you that. I bet well, you Baratsi fights Krasniki next. Like, and it's one of them where it makes sense. But it's a bit like when Ben boxed Vargas, or even more so before that was at Formella or whoever. There's yeah, so many yeah. opponents you'd rather see him in, and then they put him in with him, and you're like, oh, okay, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, okay. Cool. But but it's not anyone. No one wants to watch Bratsy Krasniki. I put a tweet out saying, "Who would you want to see him against anyone?" The names coming in. Not a single person has said I want to see him box Robin Krasniki. I personally, you mentioned Bivol, and obviously he's the one. He's a champion, and he's on his own in that. I would personally like to see Bratsy box Craig Richards, even though he got beaten by Bivol. I think that'd be a really good fight for now. Both on the zone. And I know what Barry, I know what you're going to say. You, I can see the steam coming out of your ears. You don't want to see that fight. You want to see him in a world title fight. But I think, I no. think that would be that would be a great opponent for him. I don't. Tony Bellow said something um, in the and, he, and it, in total sense that, and it was about Conor Ben and McKinson, and he said, mm. no, "Why fight now when they can fight for a world title down the line?" And it's more commercial. But as a boxing fan, we shouldn't even. And we're even though we're working in the trade, we're not. We're, you know, we should look at it as a boxing fan. We shouldn't concern ourselves with commercial value and just if the fight's good and I just feel that I don't care I want a world title fucking he's ready or, or, or he's close to being ready and you have to take that opportunity if it comes that way but I would much rather him but, you know, if he could fight Callum Johnson or I put yeah. a tweet out saying Balotnik and Johnson what a, what a war that what a great fight that would be to watch and it would be a great fight to watch but Johnson would, would win I, I'd be quite sure of that but it'd be a fun fight while it lasted I would rather see Boatsy in with Callum Johnson yeah. But that's never going to happen because of where they are, where they both are in, in different camps. But you, you'd love to see that. You know, there's there's enough heavyweights there to have a, a light heavyweight to have a real good tournament in the UK. But the only one, who, you know, because because of alliances, Richards would be would be the fight. I don't know whether it'd be an actually good that good a fight to watch. To be fair, but it would be a right test for each one of them. That's for sure. And domestically, that's the sort of thing you need. But going back to what Martin said about. The, I think the pressure with Eddie Hearn and the shows that are coming up in Leeds and Liverpool are, are far better quality. That's because the price is going to go up. Mm-hmm. I think. You think he said the can? No, I'm not, listen, you can't complain because we've had it right off as long as it's, as long as we've had it in the UK in the last whatever it is six months or something. You no, know, that fight. You no, know, the, the zone's been valued more than value for money. It really has. No, it might still be. I'm sure it's going to be value for money, but they're going to have to produce you no know, deeper cards and 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 better opposition and bigger fights and that's you know and I think that if they're going to do that every time and give us our real value for our penny then then that's that's that helps boxing because then every fight is a competitive fight and every TV fight on paper not every fight for every see not every fight for every boxer should be competitive because you need those learning fights coming up and every now and again you'll show a Campbell Hatton fight against somebody who, who, who can't beat him because because he's a huge name and he might be a star like Nigel like Conor Ben and other fighters like from the Olympics no, they're going to come on. Ben Whitaker, maybe, and he'll get some easy touches because we're going to build the build him up into a, into hopefully a, a future star. But the ones who are sort of ready, if they're not in competitive fights, we don't need to see them on TV. I'm not saying they shouldn't have the fights to to mark time, but we don't need to see them. 
we need to do only we don't need to see is those those five fights that we see on the TV should all be on paper competitive matches or, or four of them and one kid who they're building up. I think that's how it should be for the boxing fan. Forget about commercial value. That's not our that's not our concern. I don't think. And I think nowadays with Twitter, we all get involved with that. Don't make sense. I don't. Well, why do we care if it makes sense? Yeah, it's not. We're, we're not paying the bills. We should demand that the fights that we want to see. And then we don't get them because they don't make sense. I understand that. But we should never think about that. We should just think about, we want to see him fighting because it's a good fight. Him fighting because it's that's the fight that we, we'd rather see, whether it's for a world title or... I was talking about Spencer Oliver the other day and then someone came up when he when he boxed... Um, 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 Patrick Mullins. It was a Southern Area title. It was an absolute war. It was a, it was a, the, like, really, it was a British title or beyond. It was a war and a great fight to watch. And it was for the Southern Area. No one remembers it was for the Southern Area title. It was just a, two domestic kids you know, early in their career going go really at it in a fantastic fight. And that's all that matters. And then one went on and one wasted his career because he had too much talent and not enough dedication. But And Spencer went on to European titles and almost a world title. So, you know, it didn't hold him back. A, 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 a same with... with um, De Gale and Groves, they boxed well in their career. They both went on and were successful and financially, financially and fame and, and career-wise you know, were, were huge successes. So I think let's see the fights while they while we want to see them. We, what I, I, we demand to see the fights. What I can't work out is whether it's good or a bad thing that people are a bit more savvy on politics and business sense and stuff like that. You only have to put a tweet, you only have to tweet one a suggestion of a fight. And basically, 80% of the replies will be, never happen. It will never happen. And it's kind of, I don't know whether it's good that we're wired like that now as boxing fans, that we know what's realistic, or whether there's too much thought put into whether it could happen. Like, the board ordered, um, or did they order it, or suggested Hamza Shiraz against Anthony Fowler, which is a great fight. And I said, great fight. Never happened. Wrong wrong stables. It ain't going to happen. Doesn't make any sense for Fowler. Shiraz going in a different direction. But... As fans, we should just be like, I'd love to see that fight. That'd be that'd be wonderful. A bit like um, Yard and Buatzi, which actually at one point that was the one at light heavyweight, but now it's sort of not that. It's not the one that everyone is clamouring for anymore, which is quite interesting. There's far more interesting fights for Buatzi, and obviously, we'll see what Yard does when he comes back and when he fights Arthur again and stuff like that. But um, I think there's enough opponents that anyone or it's not like there's one route for Boazzi right now. He's got, like, the ball in his, is in his court. They've got good money. He's headlining. The, the crowds are back. Yeah. Not that he's a massive draw at the box office. No disrespect to him, but I'm sure he would admit the same. Um, but he, there's enough money that they could get someone proper. Like, for instance, I don't know. They're talking about going to America for his next fight. Someone like Badu Jack would be a great fight for him. Obviously, Kovalev, we mentioned. They're not cheap, these guys, of course. It yeah. means that... It means that Buatzi might have to take smaller money to get someone like that in the other corner or, you know, relative Sullivan to... Barrera, Barrera, people like that. Someone like Barrera. Yeah. You know, there's so many people at, in that division he could fight and it would be no politics issues, no problem with Frank Warren and trying to get anything like that. It's just another good step because let's not forget, he is, what, 15-0. and 0. There's no massive rush to get him in with Bivol or Baturbiev because I think right now he loses to both of them and then... It's sort of back to square one a bit. I, I reckon have another couple, good ones, good fights. Why not? And then but even I, as chief support, you know, chief support on a Joshua card or something like that. One of those, you know, like so a major slot, but it doesn't have to necessarily be headlining. And then 
they've got the money for for an opponent like that. And I think that's what he needs now, just that further bit of seasoning because every fight is getting better, but there are still slight concerns there. But how long do you keep seasoning before he gets overcooked? You know, how long does it keep going on? Where you you, you know, where you're looking for the perfect time? It's impossible to get it spot on. I just feel that, you know, and he's only had he haven't had a lot of fights, but in this era of boxing, things get rushed. And he's not he's not old, being the baby, you know, and and you just think that if you get the opportunity, you got to take it. Another fight would be fantastic in the ideal world, but you got to stay active. That's the most important thing. He has to keep busy, regularly fighting. I feel, but. I would take the shot because it's how it's not getting beat. Who cares? Like, I mean, he, he cares, but it's how you get beat. Like, Callum Johnson got stopped by Baturbiev, but he had a good go while he was in there. He gave his all. And so he didn't, he didn't, you know, he lost, I know, and he sort of been you know, put out the pasture a little bit. He's, but I don't think that's because of that fight because he gained a lot of credit from that fight and, you know, and, and showed that he can be dangerous at world level. So, you no, know, like Boatsy could go straight back in to another fight after. I think you know if he if he was to lose to Bivol, but it would, it would be very competitive. Like Richards, you know he's he's gained loads of traction on the Bivol on the Bivol fight. You know, and I think that's that. You no, know, and and I think that's how that's how it can work. No, he wasn't mentioned, Craig Richards. No one mentioned him ever. He didn't exist. No, he didn't exist. And all of a sudden, he fights Bivol. And all of a sudden, like, no, he's he's like he's the fifth Beatle. You know, in a like heavyweight mix, all of a sudden, isn't he? you know, what I mean, whoa, we forgot about him, whoa, we messed up leaving him out, and rightly so, he deserves his credit. But what I mean is, a loss is not always the end of your career, that's the thing. And I think you have to take that leap sometimes, otherwise, you're never gonna know. You're gonna wait for that perfect fight, that perfect time to, to pull the trigger. You're 37 and your career's over, and if that's the worry, you just you know, take it while it's there because you don't know what's around the corner. And I talk from experience. You have you, know, you have your annual brain scan, and, and something happens where you, you know something's not right, and, and it delays your career, or you know, or, or a superstar comes along in your division, and he's just too good for anyone. You know, like a Roy, like a prime Roy Jones turns up from out of nowhere, and you'll never get the shot again. You know what I mean? You're never going to win it. No, just take it while you're there, because Bivol's beatable. But Turbiev is a monster, but he can be outboxed. You just you know how long can you do it for? You know, none of these fighters are unbeatable. It's very very difficult to beat. But you're not talking like a Roy Jones where you just you can't see a flaw in his makeup you know, when he was at his prime. You, you, know, you don't want to wait that long, but when one of those comes back along, take you while it's there because you just don't know. And can I keep saying the same point again and again and again? You I start... reckon you got I reckon you got another two or three times in you before Martin just cuts cuts this whole thing off. <laughs> yeah, just take the take it while it's there. <laughs> <laughs> what, what I do want to say before we before we move on from from Saturday's fight camp is just to give you Barry an opportunity to to wax lyrical if you so wish uh, about Joe Cordina. Another one, you know, he's 12 and 0 now. Uh, first round stoppage, obviously a fellow Welshman. But another one who's now seemingly at that point where it's either a world title shot next or or one more and then a world title shot. Well, now it's Joe Cordina. There's no rush. <laughs> <laughs> that was my boy. No rush for my boy. <laughs> he, he's good. Like, I don't know how good that opponent was, you know, to be fair, but Joe didn't give him a chance. He went out there really positive and... and you know, Joe's a sublime boxer, and we know that. He's got beautiful skills. He's good to watch. He's a good-looking kid, talks well. He, he ticks every box. You know? And he's from Cardiff, so that just makes it even better. But he's, he needed that sort of, like, wow factor. He had it Saturday night. against. We don't know how good that kid was, but it was a good punch. It was a good couple of shots. And he made he found a home for that right hand straight away. And he didn't rush his work, but he was positive from the offset. And he got it finished in less than a minute. And I think that's fantastic. So, for me, now... For me now, for me, I feel the natural fight for him is Alpha Barrett. 
Mm. That's what you would think. That won't happen. But that's what you would think. <laughs> <laughs> Stop talking about no. it. Then. <laughs> that's what you would think. And then that's an, an official eliminate for the world title. Then that elevates him high up. And then, and it also, it's it's a competitive fight where you might not look great, but it's that last, again, that bridging fight that shows you that the, the, you've beat a guy of quality who's really, who really, who really come to win, who's on form. For either one, by the way, that is, but honestly, and then they move on because Godina's thirty years of age now. Is he thirty-one? And so he, he, it's, it's not a panic of a rush because he's you know he's looked after his body and he's and he hasn't had lots of fights and he's you know and he's brilliant to watch. But he can't hang around either. He's at that stage, of, like I think Boatzi, where if he gets offered a shot, he has to take it today. And 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 I think the super featherweight division is good, but it's not. Wow, it's no, it's not like the lightweight division. So. There's gaps there. I think is the IBF title vacant maybe at the moment? Did Jojo okay. Diaz not make the weight or something? And maybe, yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. you know, there might be an opportunity to slip. No, and obviously um, Eddie Hearn has you no know, strong ties with the IBF, so there might be an angle there. He can slip in for a vacant title against. Yeah, he's vacant. You're right. Yeah, he's vacant. Yeah. Yeah. So and an Barrett, Barrett's number five there. So you know, if he was to beat, they could make that as a sort of eliminator, they, final eliminator. Well, they could make it for the world title, to be fair. But mm. I think that would be a little bit. <laughs> Not not really real, but I mean, but yeah, he, but he could slip in. He could slip in and box for the world title there. As could Barrett, to be fair to him. But Joe's brilliant. We didn't see how brilliant he was the other night because he didn't get to show his skills. But I, he's one of those kids, and he might like a Paul Butler back. No, back when, at his prime, one of the purest boxers we have. Not, I'm not saying he's the best, but he's one of the purest boxers we have with the with the skills and the movement and the timing and the way he keeps his shape well all the time. He lacks a bit of power that people question at the highest level. But then he showed a different side to him on Saturday. He was more aggressive. And I think sometimes people think you can't punch because you don't punch. And he's always looking to move. But this time he was, he was propelling himself forward, pushing off the back foot. And then you, you gain a bit more traction in, 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 the, in the shots. So Joe Cordina is brilliant. Uh, he's from Cardiff. Uh, again, i got to say, like, we all had a joke about um, Kid Galahad winning the world title and I'm no longer the best baddie in, in, from the Yemen anymore, of course. Not the best fight in my street, thanks to Steve Robinson. And if Bill Cordina wins the world title, I won't be the best super featherweight from Cardiff anymore. So, like, I'm having a nightmare at the minute. This <laughs> fight camp is killing me. <laughs> Declan, we've had, we've had the three fight camps back to back to back. Uh, the launch of Dizone, obviously, hand in hand with that. We didn't have a show last week after Kid Galahan beat Jazza Dickens, but overall, as a as a product and as a as a fight, as three fight cards, how would you how would you rate it? I think the fact that it's three week weekends back to back, you've got to take your hat off to them because obviously no promoters do that. There's no, you, you don't you you put every. You, you stack a, a good card up and then you have one every however long it is. I mean, to be fair to Matchroom, they do it every week across the world. But back-to-back back on the same venue um, with the same sort of budget, because obviously they're not going to put superstars in there. It's not. I know they did pay-per-view last year for the white Povetkin, but that's not really the vibe there. So I think overall it was good with some real flashpoints in there. I'm not sure necessarily about the game change thing, whether we really saw that. It looked very similar to, well, it was very similar to last year. The standard of fights, very similar. A kind of a bit, undercards were slightly sort of, ropey's a bit harsh, but, you know, they were they were hit and miss. Um, the weird thing for me is, obviously, you had to pay 750 quid plus your booking fee, so it was 800 quid to get in. Um, of course, at the time, that we didn't know this, but we're allowed crowds now. You're allowed to go to the O2. You're allowed to go to wherever and put a show on. 
and put your cheap tickets on because the, the, the atmosphere there, bear in mind, I didn't go to them. I wasn't at any, any of the three shows. So, but watching from afar, it looked like the atmosphere wasn't amazing. And it probably wouldn't be because you've got only the people who can afford 800 quid tickets who are going. So the common or garden boxing fan like me, who would not pay 800 quid for a ticket, uh, couldn't go. But then, you know, at the O2, they could have done. So that's coming back. So that was a little bit of an odd one. But you know why they did it. They wanted, they needed to raise some money as well. So they got a bit of gate receipts, which they didn't get last year. Last year's fight camp seemed incredible. But again, was it because we were starved of boxing during the first lockdown? And was it just we wanted something and, you know, any sort of combat where people were standing within two metres of each other was quite exciting. Not quite the same backdrop and context this time, but Lee Wood upsetting Kanju, unbelievable. The Jazz the Dickens, I mean, the Kid Galahad performance against Jazz the Dickens to win a world title in, was exceptional. Um, Buatsi, that was a great fight and a great win. And then you can pick out here and there stuff down the undercard. Um, Chris Billumsmith, Tommy McCarthy, you know, so... When you think about it, what what we in middle of August? It started at the end of July. It's been a ma- been a really good three weeks for for fight camp for Brit for match room. Now I'm interested to see what happens, and you only have to look at the Liverpool card and the Leeds card, like you say, to realise that it looks like it's going to be really really good. Um, and I think as far as a springboard goes, I'm not sure. I'm not an expert on numbers and stuff. I still do have those reservation concerns about the zone and the fact that who outside of our little echo chamber of boxing really cares or knows about this stuff? Because I'm not sure that many people do. It's not crossing over as such. But then again, those fights are not the ones that are are supposed to do that. There'll be bigger fights, bigger events, bigger nights, more um, controversy and and needle, which is what we're going to need to get people in. But I don't know. They're never going to tell us the numbers because they never did for America either. So we're not going to know who's signing up and who's not. But I think overall fight camps are success. Um, and I just hope that the zone from here goes like that. But I think there's a, it's not, it's not out of the question that it, it doesn't. And we just sort of find this, this number of, of um, subscribers, which we're sort of at, and it doesn't really go anywhere from there. But that's the big challenge. And, they, you know, they back themselves to, to pass it. I think the important part for the zone, I would feel as a boxing fan, is that they... I know Eddie Hearn produces all the stuff, and that's fine. He did a good job, and they're trying to you know, build narratives, and that's 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 a good idea for the non-boxing fan to build a story behind every fighter. I, I don't really care about the story of any fighter. I just want to see the fight. <laughs> no, but I'm a boxing fan, so it's irrelevant to me. It, it's but to people who are armchair fans or no boxing fan, then they they buy into that story, and I and that draws them in. So it's a good idea, and 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 they'll do a great job of doing that. But I do think it's important that his own keep the pressure on Eddie Hearn and don't allow him to sneak a card in that's substandard. That's important. Because, you know, I presume he's had a big, but no, he's there's talk about the big budget that he's got for five years or whatever it is. So, and you're going to, not every fight's going to be a world title fight. I understand that, but there should never not be a competitive fight. As I said earlier, on, on the, on the cat, on the fight that we see on the, on the card that we see on the, on the, on the screen. So if they can keep the pressure on him, and I think you know, and that will make it. That will make the sport better. Because every fight's competitive, and you, there's none of that. You no, know, UFC fans or all the rest are going. Thing with boxing, you get all these fights where no, you no, know, you can pick the odds. You no, know, you know who's going to win. The odds are like twenty to one in favor of the winner every time. And so it, it's it, we need to be more more competitive. And I think you no, know, 
the Liverpool card and the Leeds cards are looking that way. And if they continue that that vein, then then it'll be fantastic. And I think they'll get more they get more subscribers for sure. Just finally, we should be for four days, four or five days away from Manny Pacquiao against Errol Spence. Unfortunately, Spence pulled out with a torn retina. But at least we do have a replacement fight and a decent replacement fight. Pacquiao will now take on your Dennis Ugas on Saturday night. As I said, listen, it's not the fight we wanted to see. There's no, there's no doubt about that. It would have been a, a great test of, of what Pacquiao has left, uh, I suppose, against Errol Spence. Now we... Well, we'll still get to see it. It's been what two, two and a bit years since he fought. How do we, how do we sort of match this one up? I, I, to me, I think I would just bet against Pacquiao. Bet against him every time now. I would because I just one day he's gonna, he's gonna turn up and be old. I can't see how he can keep because every fight he has is a hard fight. Even when he wins, even he knocks you out to hell because the way he fights, the energy he puts into a fight. And and the, the natural size that he's given away for the last ten years, it it makes it difficult for him. And and so I just can't see how he can maintain where he is. It's almost, it's subhuman. I can't. It's not subhuman. It's superhuman. Sorry. I can't see how he does it. I don't be good with words, but I can't see. Though I do use a lot of them, <laughs> I just can't see how how he can keep going. And I thought I thought the Spence fight was where he gets bashed up a little bit, but also because Spence was quite conventional. Then Pacquiao likes to work off straight lines, so it suited him. But I just thought the age factor and the size. But I think Ugas again. I think he, I think just think you know he just be might be too awkward for Pacquiao and too long of a reach and you know and I just can't see how Pacquiao can close the gap quick enough like he used to. But I thought he was done after he lost to Jeff Horn in that close fight, and then he come back and he's had some fantastic fights. So I, you know he just seems to reinvent himself. But how long can I keep going? That's my worry. To be fair. I can't see how it keeps going. I, my biggest worry is, will we ever see Adol Spence again? But I've got a feeling we don't. Mm. To be honest. Well, there was some somebody said I can't remember who it was, or someone uh, guessed rather that this injury actually isn't new, that it happened in the in the car accident, but wasn't picked up when he fought in Texas. Yeah, because they've um, because different, the, a different, different testing procedure. Yeah, no, I, I guess we'll never know unless unless some doctor can age it, but. You're right. You know that's probably that probably is a, a bigger question to come out of this. Mm, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't want to cast aspersions. It looked like I mean, people have retired with what was it detached retinas before. I mean, I mean, having said that, if he boxed, who did he box? Was so who was it? Post Mikey Garcia was it? No, who was the his comeback fight? The other Garcia, uh, the other Danny guy, Garcia. Danny, of course. So Danny, yeah. So. And he looked good against Danny Garcia. I actually had a bet on Garcia in that fight because I thought that if there's any, if the car crash, which we've all seen it, unbelievable. If he, to even walk and live, whatever, to then turn up and fight an elite fight like Danny Garcia. So if he did have a detached retina then, then if that's true, then I would think we'll see him again. If it's a new one and it's wear and tear or whatever, who knows, he's very rich. Um, I would think that he will, we will see him again. I hope so anyway. On the subject of Pacquiao, I get what you're saying, Barry, with, He's got one of these days. You're gonna the underdog's gonna pay out, but I don't see Ugas beating him. Um, he's obviously what was his last defeat would have been Sean Porter a couple of years ago, um, which was close, a close fight. I'm just not sure if he's clever enough. To, he's big and strong. He's orthodox as well. So obviously Pacquiao's been preparing to box Errol Spence yeah. at Southpaw. So maybe I mean Pacquiao's so so experienced that I'm sure he just you know he can. 
whoever turns up, he's gonna he's gonna have a have a plan and be able be able to work him out eventually. But I don't know if you guys can get a sort of foothold in it. I just don't see how he can. I think it's a I think it's a distance fight again. I think it'd be close, and I think Pacquiao get a decision in this fight. Um, I, and, I, just want, I just remember Pacquiao against Horn, where yeah, Horn matched him for work rate, and Pacquiao struggled for it. Like in the return, he was a different fighter, and I know, and he's been better since. But I just think that if you can make him work hard early, Pacquiao, I don't think he can he can maintain it like he used to. To be honest, listen. Mm. But you think about Pacquiao anywhere near anywhere near his prime, anywhere near his prime, like forty percent of his prime, still wipes up most of the welterweights because he's that good. But yeah, I just I'm betting against him every time now. To be fair, because I just think one day he's going to turn a bold. Mm. There's no doubt one day he will. The, the question is, we can't, it, it's hard to, you know, I, I can't say I've ever gone two years without a professional fight. So I can't, I mean, you, you, you could probably say better, Barry, obviously, but it's very difficult as outsiders to judge how somebody's aged in two years, yeah. you know. Yeah. And really, until you until you see it, you just can't tell. It's, well, he's it's had a long, hard career, hasn't he, Declan? Hmm. Completely. And he's not only that, but we were questioning his age when he beat. Keith Thurman, and then he's had a not only has he had two years out, it's obviously been a COVID two years, so who knows what he's been doing. He looks in great shape. Yeah. You guessed box last year, didn't he? So he's he's a bit more momentum. Yeah. So, you know, you never know that they, these little intangibles, they just they just creep up. It was a bit like when, when Josh Warrington came back. I mean, obviously, none of us, nobody picked Lara. It's a slightly different situation here because it's not like an unknown guy come, turning up. But just these little things. He was old against Thurman, but he won, and he proved everyone wrong. He's another two years, not only older, but without doing anything, total yeah. inactivity. So maybe you might be right, Barry. You could be turning up next week, loads of money, flashing your winnings on Ugas. So he must be five or six to one at this point. He must be something like that because, I, you know, I, he might pack out a huge favourite in this fight. He's gone from the underdog against Spence to being a favourite in this fight. So um, it's always fascinating, isn't it, to see Pacquiao out. I mean, Martin, we've yeah. been doing this show for years and every... Every time we're sort of like, can he surely can't keep doing it? He can't keep doing this, and he does. He does. So, um, I've never great. known a, he doesn't get enough credit. Like, no, how great he's been over the years. Like, and it's like just phenomenal. He really is. No, you thought super featherweight. He's too small for super. Remember that? He's too <laughs> small for super featherweight. He's just too small. Even featherweight, he's not big enough, really. Though he's good, you know. But I can't see how he can. We can't know these, these real top level guys. Can't now, that was featherweight, super featherweight. And he just the older he got, the bigger he got. You know, he has, he's still only like he's my height. If, if he is my height, he's only little, no, it's not you know, small, it's he, he just crazy, isn't it? Like it's just unbelievable. And I, I know you just gotta say you've never known a fighter like it. Forget about the six weight division thing because that's just modern era stuff, but just to just to go the actual weight that he's that he's put on and the top level fight, and then and he has boxed the top level fighters at his weight. Yeah, at, at that weight, you know, he boxed a cottle, a good cottle, not like a cottle passive, a good Miguel cottle, who was good on the night, by the way, and beat him. Like, it's just like I never saw that happen in a million years. And and, and he's and he just continues to just surprise us. So he's an all time great, he like with like unbelievable all time great, one of the greatest to ever do it, like right up there with them all. He really is, but you can't go on forever. And no boxing is there's always sad stories in boxing with greats going on too long, and and it's got to catch him up one day. I always think you'd mentioned the cottage fight. I always just remember that De La Hoya fight, and I know De La Hoya was quite kind of long in the tooth then, but the clinic he put on that, and that was years ago against someone who's yeah. so much bigger than him in De La Hoya. I think this is his, I think I'm right in saying this is his 70th fight, 75, oh no, even more, 70, what were we on? 
So over, more than 70 fights with professional in this day and age is ridiculous. And I know, I see it quite a lot. There's this debate about Mayweather and Pacquiao, who's better. And obviously Mayweather beat him quite easily, comfortably in the end. But the, the suggestion that May, Mayweather was better than him, but Pacquiao was, was the greater fighter. And I think that's a, quite a good way of putting it. He's one of the best southpaws of all time. One of the best, you know, in, in terms of top, of all weight classes as well. He's one yeah. of the best of all time. And it's good. It's always just a treat to see him. And there's always a little question mark, particularly when he gets to this age. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I think, I do think he wins though, but it's not going to be easy. Well, you can find out, well, you won't find out actually. You'll probably know the result by the time you tune in next week. But we will discuss who was right, Barry or Deck, next weekend when Manny Packer does indeed return to action. Thank you for joining us this week. Until next week, do take care.